Hello and welcome to the opening episode of our Winter Blues mini-series. I'm Jasper Taylor, joined, of course, by Rob Rowe and the man we couldn't do this without, Father Nature himself, Johnny Taylor. And this topic is something that I know you've been keen to do since we started the podcast, isn't it, Dad? Yes, it is. Yeah, I've got... um... It's an interesting subject, and I don't approach it in any way as a scientist. Uh, I approach it from a point of view really about a sort of how this weird thing fits into our sort of uh, what you might call natural existence as human beings, and B, also... um, I'm fairly experienced via a very good friend who really suffered quite badly from SAD. He literally went from spending a lot of time outside and he kind of withdrew into himself and very nearly hibernated through the winter months and it really did affect his mood. And, um, you know, as as a friend, it's, it's hard to watch. And so that sort of stimulated my interest to find out a lot more about it and there is a huge amount a to learn and a a huge amount still to question about it Mm. and uh, keen listeners might note that you have a slightly more gravelly uh, texture to your voice for this recording john would you like to tell us why well, uh, I went to see a great, a fabulous band. You know, this this does is relevant to our sort of like um, how to cope with the winter blues. Were uh, they a blues a, band? They weren't a blues band actually. A folk band uh, called Coig C O I G from uh, Nova Scotia. Of course, Nova Scotia is another one of these countries, very northern, uh, up in Canada, and uh, one of sort of well all countries that suffer very much reduced day length uh, over the winter months. And, uh, and as such, they find ways of coping with it, including a fabulous amount of music. Were you mobbed on entry, here. John? Were you recognised by our <laughs> listeners? And, uh, <laughs> no, I just, the show. no, I just have to prove that I've not got COVID and then I go. <laughs> so last time out, of course, we recorded Awesome Autumn. Um, we've had a slight pause to get ready for um, this mini-series, so we're doing winter now. But one thing that some people seem to enjoy, Rob, were my awesome autumn facts. So, Absolutely. Pearls of wisdom. Yeah, um, all stolen, of course. So <laughs> I'm bringing them back. I'm some bringing were them dubious back. as well, yeah. it has to be said. Oh, were they? Well, was it the hamster testicles? (laughs) Now, that was easy to believe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I've got some. I've got a winter one for you. It's very fitting. It's about the winter of 1963 because it is one of the coldest on record. Temperatures consistently reach lower than minus 20 degrees C with blizzards, snowdrifts and even the sea freezing around the coast. Now, what's significant about the year 1963. John, any idea? Well, I was born later you were on born that year. Later yes. on that year, which means <laughs> that... Um, oh, my God, I know what you're going to say. I was conceived during that winter. During the coldest winter on record. Yeah. Um, well, there's one way to beat the winter blues, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Um, so that is a way that I didn't expect us to start the podcast, but... Um, <clears throat> No, there we go. (laughs) No, Um, so I think we should move straight on with something which is probably a bit more informative for our listeners, Um, and start with the basics, John. In terms of what is the winter blues? 
Okay, so winter blues uh, is kind of like a, a reduction in what you might call mood and self-worth and energy levels uh, that can, people can experience, which ostensibly, we're, so I say we, is being put down to uh, a lack of daylight not necessarily sunlight, but daylight. Um, obviously, the, the more sun you have, the more intense the light. Uh, and it seemed to be a bit of a precursor to um, SAD, which is the uh, seasonal affective disorder. And so, uh, essentially, if you spend a long time in this slight state of depression, on account of, you know, suffering what you might just call the winter blues. It, you, you could say it's less intense, uh, but a long spell of it can lead to a chronic state of depression and the, the, the chemistry of the brain then often requires a different form of sort of therapy to to bring it out. But your, your classic symptoms, as I said, would be low energy, um, not being really bothered to do the things that you usually take for granted, feeling down in the dumps, feeling like you got out the wrong side of the bed. And uh, this can then in turn, because it affects your energy levels, it can affect your uh, sleep patterns and that further lowers the mood. And before you know it, you've, you've slipped into a, a rather um, dangerous and chronic state of depression. And uh, that's, that's when things become very serious because I think the, the, the way out of it um, might not just be behavioural. That, that's not a subject I can speak on with any authority, but it seems that sort of you get to a certain stage of uh, depression. And, uh, I mean, it's being very challenged at the moment, but so medical intervention might be required. But um, I would say my, my key passion if you like with this whole subject is uh preventative measures that we might all take to actually prevent us really even uh sort of acknowledging the winter blues uh you know by methods of keeping our sort of soul and body together and upbeat Rob, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've only heard about the winter blues in the last few years. What's your sort of experience or your knowledge around it? Can you remember, for example, I can't remember learning about it growing up. No. For me, it was, it, I, I suppose it coincided really with starting work and actually having like, um, when I first started out working, I lived in Sussex, in mid-Sussex and was but was working in London. So during the winter, I really felt it because I had quite long days really of commuting. And that was quite a, a quite a shock to the system, like fresh out of uni anyway. And then to do it, you know, that time of year with such long days. And I think, you know, I was just a almost quite a typical case really of like maybe a commuter that would suffer with the winter blues in that you're waking up in the dark, you're coming home in the dark and just getting up and facing the day just seems a bit tougher um like you say it's ne never something i was really conscious of or aware of before i started working and had to go through those kind of routines but um i definitely felt it like um like i say it's it was at a time when i was working 
I wasn't as self-aware and as conscious of the things I needed to do to make myself feel better. So the routines that I was slipping into, you know, I wasn't really doing much self-care at all. Um, I wasn't making sure I got out on my lunch break. I wasn't exercising regularly. I was kind of, I kind of felt like I withdrew as well. And it was making me, I, I was less inclined to kind of meet up with people. And so all of the kind of the um, examples that John's just given as to why someone might feel like that, I kind of ticked all those boxes, really. Um, mm. So it's, yeah, it was, it was when I started work, I'd say. I can't remember who did the report that sort of uh, did sort of categorise it as such, but I, I know it was the early 80s before this, the, the whole um, sort of sad term started being used in, in a medical context. I think people have always recognised that sort of, it's easy to get down in the dumps in winter and uh, you know the winter blues has been kind of around for a long time as very much a northern hemisphere thing um, but actually in medical terms it was literally the 80s before it was what you might call diagnosed and defined. Mm. Now we need to go into that because you've mentioned SAD twice um, and for those listeners that don't know SAD is uh, it stands for something is it's a medical term um, is it just a coincidence that what it stands for is is sad? Uh, the word sad, if you know what I mean. Tell us what it is, John, and then uh, how it kind of just linked to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, it's seasonal affective disorder. Hmm. Okay, and uh, I mean. In answer to your question, I don't know whether that was, you know, just clever use of mnemonics. Mm, <laughs> uh, which we'll get on to. Yes, which we'll get on to. Um, but it's, I think it's, it's an effective thing to call it in that uh, it sort of kind of makes it a little bit more easy to understand. I mean, it's, it's a dis- disorder of the brain as opposed to a disease. Um, it's affected by the seasons. You know, a, a, a lot of people who have this um, disorder completely lose it uh, at other times of the year. So it, it is basically what it says on a tin is is the reality of it. Mm. The but treatment it... of it is uh, kind of still very up in the air, as you can imagine. I mean, we're only talking if we're only talking the eighties that it first became diagnosed. People have been working very hard on this. And, I mean, it is it is huge in that they think it's probably 20% of people in this country are affected by it to some extent. Um, and I, I think a lot of people are almost subconsciously affected by it. Mm. You get the same, this business of uh, a, a, you get more people requiring time off of work during the winter months. You get more people getting coughs and colds and uh, other sicknesses during the winter. But is that also because their immune system's being suppressed by a state of depression? There's loads of questions, really interesting questions being asked. Mm. And this differs from the winter blues itself doesn't it in terms of sad and the winter blues and we'll just reiterate what you said without taking anything away from you john of course that you know uh you're not dr nature um you you don't have a medical background but obviously your expertise is going to be in how we can use 
nature and our connection to the natural world to um, help us during these winter months, mm. which we're going to get onto in in the next episode or two. Um, yeah. But could you just tell us in simple terms the difference between the winter blues and sad? In a word, intensity. Right. So um, winter blues is very much seen as either a very mild version of sad or more dangerously a precursor to so winter blues is sort of like you know the sort of feeling that people might get if they've just been stuck in for a bit too long and they get what we also call cabin fever they're feeling a bit sort of shut in they they sort of lost their energy um and they've, they've lost the sort of if you like the uh get up and go to do something about it Hi guys, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Father Nature. This is just a reminder at the halfway stage that we'll soon be releasing our next episodes, 11 Ways to Beat the Winter Blues, Parts 1 and 2. In fact, depending on when you're listening, there's a very high chance that they've already been released. So please do check them out straight after this one. Right, winter fact number two then. Something actually... John, that you've just discussed in the fact oh. that uh, the winter days obviously are shorter um, mm-hmm. and they can appear to, to go quite quickly. Well, in ancient Rome, the hours really were shorter. Back then, they tracked time, divided daylight and darkness into 12 increments each, which they uh, took from the Egyptians. And that meant that... Time-wise, when there was less daylight, an hour was uh, allotted 45 minutes in the winter and 75 minutes in the summer. Wow. Well, there you go. How's yeah. Yours? Get your head around that one. That's quite something, isn't it? It is. I don't like really that. know what it means, but um, it's a fact, apparently. Um, so let's talk about... Let's talk Good about There are no watches and clocks and stuff. That'd be a <laughs> so, yeah, I'm still set on winter time. Yeah. <laughs> right, so we've, we've covered sort of what it is. Let's discuss why people get it. This is obviously a, a, a broad subject and something that we're going to cover in future episodes when we look at actually tackling winter blues but what are some of the key Mm. points this is a fairly sort of um a a recently established sort of uh science and therefore the theories that go with it especially with view to the whys wares and the treatments of are sort of out there for discussion a bit fundamentally the the sole reason for it is uh lack of reception of daylight um receiving daylight very much um is uh, affects our hormones uh we we looked on this a while ago in a podcast when we talked about that wonderful word photoperiodism this is what brings animals into season it's what uh, in, affects the hormones of uh, testosterone and progesterone and estrogen etc so uh, it's a very powerful influence. Now, unfortunately, we tend to think that humans are totally different from every other animal on Earth, but of course we're not. We're just mammals and we're doing our thing and we're doing it very differently. We've kind of, I think, possibly a Northern Hemisphere thing, trying to 
back our way out of experiencing winter. We almost sort of take shelter from it. And of course, we're easily able to do it because of our sort of increases in technology and stuff. We can stay warm, dry, well-fed, indoors. But there's a consequence. We've only been indoor dwellers for a few hundred years out of, you know, millions of years of evolution. Uh, we were built to be, or we've, we've evolved from things that were outside 24-7. Uh, we're very visual creatures, and so we, we're very dependent on daylight for our existence and our welfare. And so to deny ourselves the natural form of lighting seems to affect things, particularly things like serotonin, which is... Um, a mood-enhancing uh, hormone. And uh, so we'll come on to this, but, you know, we've got substitute lighting systems now for people who are suffering winter blues or sad uh, that can try and correct that. But uh, but in a nutshell, yeah, light levels. This, this is the... Th- or light reception, let's call it. So... And I think that gets compound with... I'm slightly reluctant to use the word, but sort of various other sort of uh, what you might call um, psychiatric type uh, behaviours, uh, like uh, screwing ourselves away and uh, almost allowing ourselves to be guided by our feelings rather than what we know. I see it as almost... When you get to a point when you're feeling quite depressed about doing things, then doing the simplest things that you might have done year round, like going to your yoga lessons or going swimming or something like that, uh, you kind of talk yourself out of it because you can and uh, because you're thinking it's too uncomfortable to do that. It's almost like taking a medicine. You're not going to enjoy taking it. But if you can see the other side of it, that you're going to feel better for it, then you can still do it. But that takes strength of resolve and that's something that uh obviously is a classic sign of suffering from uh sad mm-hmm. in that you lose your resolve to do what, what rob what the did right you find because you've mentioned this already but you obviously transitioned from working a regular commute an office and then last year during lockdown you were of course working from home did you see any differences in your experience Definitely. I mean, I think um, there's a few practices that I've tried to take up since working from home, um, you know, to try and combat the winter blues myself. Um, and it's all quite basic things, really. But I do think they add, you know, in addition to each other, they make a, a big impact. And so and I think it's when I like I said, when I was commuting doing longer days, I wasn't so good. I wasn't as aware as I am now. So I think it was quite an easy trap to fall into. But certainly um, now I'm working from home, it's easier to make a working environment that's conducive to kind of, um, I suppose, exposing yourself to daylight as much as you can or making sure that you're getting the the, um, 
the exposure um, more so than whether you're commuting or in the office. So like the things I'm trying to do, I mean, I'm lucky in that where I work now is right next to a window and it's got like quite a nice view. So I'm able to, I feel like I get quite a lot of natural light there, which I didn't used to get in the office, especially for people like me that work in quite a big office. I wasn't anywhere near a window really. So it's all artificial light. And like I say, if you're, if you've got longer days, you, it's dark when you get up, it's dark when you, mm. when you get home and quite often, them well certainly uh on the way home from work it's dark when i leave the office so the only opportunity to get natural daylight when i was in the office was if i got out on my lunch break and in a previous employment i wasn't always very good with that um which is better now when i'm in the office we make a point of it but um certainly now i'm at home there's there's a lot of things that are just more in my control so obviously i work by a window now I'll always make a point of getting out on lunch if I haven't got out before work or or after work. Um, you know, that I kind of always try and combine with some exercise. So if it's a walk, then that's great. If not, I'll try and do some running. So I'm trying to run um, during lunch breaks at the moment, which I think is working well. Um, as well as that, I'm kind of, um, I'm trying to keep my nutrition up. So I think um, you can slip into bad eating habits if you work long hours and you're working in, in an office. So I work in central London. So, well, um, you know, it, it, there's so much food available, but it's not always the great good food for you. So um, I'm trying to eat better lunches, um, um, trying to make my own lunches especially like I find a hot lunch in uh, this time of year makes a big difference as well. Cause I think as John was saying, like, you know, people re- reserve into themselves if they feel, uh, if they're feeling cold and things like that. So there's just a few things that I'm trying to do now. I'm working from home, which I do actually think is making a big difference. And like I say, so I think it's centered around making sure I can get the daylight, which is easier to do whilst I'm at home, uh, making sure I'm looking after myself in terms of exercise, making sure, yeah, I'm more active and trying to just eat the right things. Um, and yeah, it's definitely made a big improvement in terms of, you know, I don't wake up now and think, oh God, it's dark when I get you know, when I'm getting up or if I have to get out, like I definitely don't feel like that as much as I used to. So yeah, I've been impressed like the, mm. the small tips that you know, go a long way really. Yeah. And, uh, John, a couple more questions before we round off uh, this opening episode of our mini-series. Why do you think this is particularly relevant now? And don't just say, because it's winter, um, because that (laughs) that is a very good point. But in a wider sense, why do you think it's particularly relevant for everyone to listen to and engage with this? Yeah, I I think it's it's relevant for a few reasons actually and i guess and i mean it it sounds a bit pessimistic this side of things but it's not meant to be this is meant to be a precursor to right that we've got to put this stuff right is we we've had a rising tide of mental health issues um in this country uh for for quite a few years now and uh we we haven't been putting in the provision to uh treat the, this the, our mental health sort of some call it an epidemic almost i'm sort of reluctant to go down those sort of lines but um even more so and this for me is the most important thing working on preventative measures uh it's so we've we've got this tide of existing mental health issues as we're moving into this time of year We've also got the fact that we've had a, a couple of the weirdest years in m- most of our 
uh, most living people's history with the uh, consequences of social isolation, the pandemic and such like. And that has also put people under a huge strain uh, from a, a mental health point of view. You know, I, I know people who you would consider incredibly solid, together, sort of rounded individuals who have admitted to finding things bloody tough over the past couple of years. It's been, it's been a sort of like a, a couple of years to wreck social cohesion, and which is, I think, is hugely important for people to uh, keep hold of. And, and the other reason I think it's timely to sort of discuss it now and to really be aware of it is, you know, we've got COP26 that's been going on. And, you know, for, for many, I'd hope that the whole fact that the United Nations is sitting around trying to come to uh, some agreement with about sort of uh, climate change policies... That is a fantastic thing, you know, getting people around the table. If nothing else, they're talking the right language and something will happen. Without that form of thing, nothing will happen. But also, and, you know, it's the way it's reported as well, I know, but people have been... People have learned to distrust politicians, you know, quite rightly, I think, a lot of the time. But the consequence is that people are feeling... They're watching the news, they're watching the outcomes of COP and they're thinking, you know, they're fearful. Uh, I think they sometimes feel hopeless. They're certainly unsure of things. And there's a level of anxiety about something which is, you know, beyond us to think. It's, I mean, it's such a huge thing to take on and put right. And incidentally, I think this is something that uh, we'll certainly have a podcast to, to cover once the sort of... Um, uh, once COP has finished and we've, we've we've sort of settled down to the details and the promises and things like that, we'll have a podcast to deal with sort of you know how we take that on board. But that that's a third thing where I think people are just like slightly hyped up in the wrong direction sometimes about environmental things, and they it can make you feel a bit sort of. Um, inadequate and useless because you're a mere individuals and there's these sort of you know nations talking about uh, the various measures that they might or might not undertake so you've got three three factors there which are sort of kind of meaning you know they've they're all they've all happened they're all with us now and now we're just going into this time of reduced light uh, increased sort of like precipitation, let's call it, rain in other words, and uh, cold temperatures. And I, th I think we can find a way to cope with it. It starts with the individual, is, is the thing I'd say more than anything else. It starts with us, and it starts with us looking after other people. How does this, in your opinion, link to Nature Connection, John? One thing I'd say, which is one of the things that sort of... Um, spurs me on gives me great hope and things is i do believe we're the only creature on earth that suffers from winter blues and uh sad uh the rest of nature has coping mechanisms and they put them into place obviously and as such i think what we need to do is we look at nature and look at coping mechanisms 
perhaps think back to a more primal time when we were more reliant on nature and think what have we lost you know by gaining you know the various things that we gain through what we might call civilization what have we lost that makes us more vulnerable to the winter months uh you know we we've sort of conquered this planet despite probably originating you know in sub-saharan sort of africa and we've made our way around sort of almost every square inch of the globe and we find ourselves in the last sort of you know let's say half century maybe a bit more and we're suffering from disorders that no other creature on earth suffers from there for me there's got to be a link in the naturalness or otherwise of our lifestyles very interesting okay well that's it for our winter blues mini series opener big thanks to father nature and rob for their company and to everyone that's listened remember next up is 11 ways to beat the winter blues please do check out our instagram at father nature hq email us father nature hq at gmail.com or leave a message in the reviews we're very keen to hear about how our pod might be helping you navigate these winter months but for now take care and thank you for listening